Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, it's part two of today's mail call episode recorded live on the Locker Room app. This is Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. Let's get to it. Heat check Clay. Did the Warriors intend to keep Kelly Oubre with the thought process that Clay might not be ready to play on opening night since Oubre does not, or, or since Oubre wants to be a starter? It's an interesting question. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily what their mindset was. Ty, what do you think? Hey, how's it going, Wes? I'm good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Quick question. So, do you think uh, Tyrese Halliburton uh, contributes to winning? Uh, Or can he contribute to winning right now? The metrics say no. He also plays for the Sacramento Kings, who are not good. Right. Uh, I think that Halliburton can overall contribute to winning. It might not show up in the plus-minus or anything like that. But he is, to me, above a replacement-level guard right now. Uh, what he can do defensively and then moving the ball and with his basketball IQ. Yeah, I think if the Warriors had drafted Tyrese Halliburton, he would be contributing more than James Wiseman is right now. I, I think that's right. That's fair. And that's why I asked, I asked to say, is it more so it being a rookie that can't contribute to win it, or is it the team finding the right player that can contribute to win it? And that's why I asked that question. It's a combination of both, and this is why, by the way, I lobbied for the Warriors to draft Tyrese Halliburton in November. I thought that they should have been. I thought Halliburton should have been their guy all along because, to me, he kind of walked that tightrope of player with upside and who can contribute right away. I know the upside was the big question on Halliburton. I loved his upside throughout the entire draft process. I wrote about this for the Mercury News. I said that this is the guy. His upside is underrated. He's got an interesting in between game. His footwork is something you can't teach. People talk about, oh, you you know, you can't teach height, you can't teach athleticism. Well, I thought he was an okay athlete, good enough. He he had height, I, he's six foot six for a guard, super long. I thought that was, he has, so he has good size for his position. And then all that other stuff, that, that basketball feel, that's the stuff that I look for when I'm looking at and evaluating prospects. Right. Um, and that's what Jalen Suggs has, by the way, which is yep. why I love him. And you know, we saw it during the regular season with Gonzaga, but now it's even, you know, he's on a bigger stage on March Madness. Now, you know, the Zags are in the final four and they're my pick to win the championship. And by the way, I, I haven't seen a team as good as Gonzaga overall. And so that certainly helps in a long time in college basketball. And that certainly helps Jalen Suggs look even better. But right. he is such a core driver of that group, right? And so he's not a guy that's just sort of taking advantage of the talent that Gonzaga has. He's one of the main guys if not the main guy on, on that team. And so I think if you were to put him in the NBA, I, I look, he, he's not going to be, you know, as good as he looks in college, obviously, but he does some of those things that Halliburton does where he just moves the ball smartly. He makes quick decisions. He's got good feel for the game. He's got enough athleticism that he's still a threat to get to the rim and do some things there and, and defensively can certainly hold his own. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a little bit of fit. But there are just some rookies who just who come into the NBA and they're ready to contribute right away. And so often it comes to basketball feel. Again, that thing that you can't teach. 
you look at LaMelo Ball. That's why I think he's largely had an impact with Charlotte right away. It's just because he's got genius-level feel. He's got high-end feel for the game. That's why how and so you look at the rookies who are contributing right now right away, and they're the guys who have the high end feel. It takes a long time for players to learn the speed of the game at the NBA level and all that, all the things that come with that. But if you have high level feel right away, you just tend to contribute faster. And I think that if you're looking at guys in this draft, that's Jalen Suggs and that's Cade Cunningham. And to me, it's kind of the end of list of high feel guys right away. And that's why if I'm the Warriors, you'd be targeting one of those and. Cunningham is probably just a pipe dream at this point because he's going to go number one. I, I agree with Suggs 100%. Uh, one more question about one prospect uh, that I think the Warriors might like, and then I'll just uh, get off and let you talk. Uh, what do you think about Moses Moody? Or Moody, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting um, prospect. Haven't honestly watched a ton of him. Everything I've seen is basically been sports center highlights and scouting reports, but. Um, I, I, I like, I, I think he's got upside. I don't know that, um, I don't know that I would trust him the way that I would trust a Jalen Suggs or a Cade Cunningham or, and I don't know that, um, he'd be good enough for me to pass on some of the upside of a guy, even if they're raw, like Jalen Green or Kaminga or something like that. If one of those players were. So the Warriors, if they because if they end up this, with this pick, it's going to be at four or five, and I just think it might be too high for Moody. But I, you know, I could be wrong. I, like I said, I haven't watched that much. Do you have an opinion on him? Oh, you left. Okay. Um, so uh, we got Chris Davis who writes in: Jalen Green is too talented at four or five to pass. His overall offensive game is super high ceiling, and he could score day one. I think he could score day one, but I, I just, I, I question. I question his uh, – um, oh, I see now. Ty said he was talking about when the Warriors have their own pick. Yeah, look, I think – again, I think if the Warriors end up with two picks in this draft, then you have to package them to move up. There's also a chance that you don't end up with the Minnesota pick and you end up with your own pick. And if that's the case, then, yeah, I think Moody I, I think Moody can make some sense there. It's time for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. With only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, Michelob Ultra knows it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And by the way, Michelob Ultra, my go-to light beer in every uh, bar situation on a on a on a week a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm usually a whiskey guy, but I like to start that kind of bar day off with a nice cold beer, especially on a warm day. Michelob Ultra is where I go. I actually have a 12 pack of Mick Ultra in the refrigerator right now. It's a, it's a great go-to option late at night also to award yourself after a day's of hard work. Uh, if it's like 1 in the a, one a.m. and I'm writing my recap for the Mercury News, Michelob Ultra, and I just need a beer. Michelob Ultra is what I reach for because I know it's only worth it if you're happy. And, th- and this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Steph Curry. He's back, baby. Back from this tailbone contusion, making light of it, talking about how he's a great asset for the team. And by the way, he is. That much is obvious. He was huge in, in getting that win over Chicago, scored 32 points in his return. Uh, the joy with which he plays gives so much confidence to the rest of the team. I know that every other host for all these other NBA teams have a Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Nobody embodies the joy uh, like Steph Curry, and that is what Michelob Ultra stands for. Uh, are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy. That's Mick Ultra. Harry, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, man? 
competitors are questioning the Pacific team, the Brooklyn Nets. I was wondering, like comparing it to the, the Warriors when they had Kevin Durant, who do you think would win in a finals matchup? Ah, so the, these Brooklyn Nets versus the uh, Warriors with Kevin Durant. Um, yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. Ultim- I, and I actually was thinking about this yesterday. So I don't think that there's ever been an offensive team as good as what this Brooklyn Nets team is going to be. Uh, and I mean that with all due respect to these warrior, those, those past Warriors teams. But when you're talking about guys who can create for themselves and for others, who can handle the ball and shoot off the catch the way that guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden can, the Warriors never had that, right? Like, you had Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, but Clay Thompson wasn't much of a playmaker, and, and Draymond Green wasn't much of a shot maker, but he was only a playmaker. So we've never seen this level of playmaking and uh, shot making on the same floor with the top three guys. Um, and so I think offensively, Brooklyn is better than the Warriors were. I don't think that we've ever seen a team as good as that as they will be. That said, I do think the Warriors defensively were just so much better than what these Brooklyn Nets are, gonna, are going to be that I would still take those Warriors. The 2017 Warriors, for example. I would still take them over these Brooklyn Nets because you can at least have Kevin Durant guard Kevin Durant. I guess you could do that both ways. But uh, you have Clay Thompson to guard uh, you know, Kyrie Irving or... Or, or James Harden, probably James Harden. You would have Andre Iguodala. You would have Sean Livingston to throw out there. You'd obviously have Steph Curry, who toward the end of that run became a better defender than he was at the beginning of that run. Uh, and you can have him chase around Kyrie Irving for all I care. Uh, there's not a ton of pick-and-roll stuff that Brooklyn is going to do that I'm so afraid of that the Warriors wouldn't be able to defend. Um, and so uh, I think because of the defensive upside of that Warriors team, I would take them. And I actually came to that decision pretty easily just because Brooklyn is not going to be good enough defensively to guard everything that the Warriors have going on. I just, I don't see, like, I don't see James Harden or Kyrie Irving chasing Steph Curry around the floor all game or, you know, let alone Clay Thompson, right? And so I, I just don't see that happening. And then, like I said, you've got so many other guys who can slash and kick and confuse Brooklyn's defense. Now, let's have this conversation, though, next year. Let's see what Brooklyn looks like next year uh, after they've, added some guys with a mid-level exception, maybe made some trades, improved things on the fringes, added some better defenders. I think Blake Griffin was a nice addition for them, but I don't think it really moves them at all a whole lot. Uh, you know, ditto for Marcus Aldridge. I'm just not sure at this point in their careers that it moves the needle that much. But if they can add some other guys, you know, and, and, and improve the defense that way, that'll be interesting to see what it is that they look like by the end of the next season because they basically built this thing on the fly. Uh, but for right now, this Brooklyn Nets team, versus those Warriors teams, I think those Warriors teams pretty handedly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they have a they have a great defense. Uh, yeah, Golden uh, State. You know, there's no defense on Brooklyn. That's the problem. I think. That's right. Uh, Elon writes in Gonzaga winning continues to lessen the Warriors' chances of having Suggs available at four or five. I do believe that people underrate how much a rookie can contribute. I believe that Wiseman has struggled because of his position. Multi-sport athletes like Jalen Suggs have a great feel for the game, and it's clear to me he can be an impactful year one. Jalen Green and Kaminga are great players, but because they do uh, not have a great feel for the game, they will likely have a similar path as Wiseman uh, and look to become an all-star years down the road. And, that's, and I agree with that. And look, I think it would be a disservice to a guy like Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga to take them because 
if you're the Warriors, you're developing Wiseman to be your superstar of the future. And and whatever time Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga need to develop into those superstar type players, I don't think the Warriors can give them that. I don't. And with a guy like Wiseman, at least you can play him at center and get him the reps and get him the minutes. But if you draft Jalen Green, how many minutes is he realistically going to get on this team? If you already have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson coming back, and Jordan Poole, part of the core rotation, how many minutes is Jalen Green going to get? You're going to hope that he develops in, what, 12 to 15 minutes per game? And I don't think that Jalen Green, and I started to talk about him a little bit earlier, and I think he could be a day-one scorer for you, but I don't think he could do a whole – I question what he could do defensively right away. Again, I, I don't think that he could be a part of the motion-heavy offense that Steve Kerr likes to run. I just don't – his decision-making, his passing, I just I have my, I have my concerns. Not upside – I think he could be that long-term, but right now I don't think that he's much of a playmaker, and I question that decision-making, and I, and I question his ability to, you know, defer. He's a little bit of a black hole on offense, and that's okay. That's okay. But I think he needs to go to a team like Houston or something like that where, hey, here's the rock. Do whatever it is that you want to go do. And he'll develop there. And then, hey, maybe Warriors fans end up complaining five, six years from now, oh, we should have taken Jalen Green. He would not, he will not develop the same way. I don't think in Golden State, with everything that they have going on and all the players in front of him who need the ball, I don't think he would develop in the same way. That's actually kind of my argument with Wiseman is people are like, oh, you know, they should have drafted LaMelo Ball over Wiseman. Look, maybe that ends up being the case. Maybe it does. But LaMelo Ball would not have the opportunity right now in Golden State as he has in Charlotte. And if James Wiseman were on Charlotte, he'd be averaging 18 and 9 every night. And everybody would be like, oh, we should have drafted Wiseman. We have a need at center. Kevon Looney's not the long-term answer. We should have drafted Wiseman. That's all I'm saying. A lot of it is, a lot of it is situational. A lot of it comes down to the player. A lot of it comes down to that player's ability to contribute right away and basketball feel and stuff. But a lot of it is also situational. And that's why you can't really judge drafts right away. You know, you have to judge them four, five, six, seven, eight years, ten years down the road to really understand what happened there. But if you're the Warriors, you can't – and the, the pickle that they're in is that you can't really afford to wait ten years down the road to judge this draft. You need guys who can play right now if you're going to maximize Steph's prime. Let's also talk about Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar covered in chocolate. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best. It's Built Bar Madness. And today's matchup is between Coconut Brownie Chunk and mint brownie. And I think I'm going to surprise you guys with where I'm going on this. I have derided coconut flavored things throughout this bracket. But today, I'm actually going to go with coconut brownie chunk. Why? Because those brownie chunks, I don't taste a whole lot of coconut in them in general, but it's got this great texture that I absolutely love. The mint brownie is solid. Don't get me wrong. But coconut brownie chunk, I had one yesterday. I actually only have one more left that I'm afraid to eat it. Coconut brownie chunk, for me, advances. Go to builtbar.com or go to bar underscore built on Twitter uh, to vote for yourself. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off on your next order. That's LOCKED1515 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Let's talk about Bet Online, the easiest and fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. The Final Four is starting soon, capping off one of the biggest betting events of the year. And if your bracket is busted, don't worry. You could still get in on the action at betonline.ag. 
BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV. They have real-time, updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only when you use that promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ryan writes in, will James Wiseman ever be switchable? I think so. Um, he gets low in his stance. His arms are active for the most part. Sometimes he doesn't He doesn't go up and block shots as much as you'd like, but I think he's trying to strike a balance of not chasing blocks and staying in his stance and staying down uh, instead of biting for pump fakes and stuff like that. So as he continues to mature there, uh, I think you'll see him block more shots. He just set a career high with four blocks against Chicago the other night. So that's a nice uh, sign of improvement. Uh, but I think he will be switchable. Uh, I think uh, David Thorpe from True Hoop had a really wonderful breakdown in the lead up to the draft, breaking down why it, w- why it is that Wiseman will be switchable at some point. And he's got great footwork. Um, great footwork. It's low in his stance. Good side-to-side mobility. And all these things, and what also stands out to me is his is up and or his uh, straightaway speed. Like if he gets beat, if he gets beat on a switch by a ball handler, he has the speed and the length to close out in a hurry, which is a lot of what switching is: being able to switch. It's not just always staying in front of the player, which is key. Obviously, that's you know that's the first challenge. But if if you do get beat, being able to close out on that player is really important. We saw. Uh, two chase down blocks from Wiseman the other night in Chicago. One in transition and one where he kind of got beat in semi transition. But being able to have that close down, that close out speed is huge. And so I, for those reasons, I think Wiseman will be switchable. It's just a matter of, uh, it's just a matter of it, you know, coming together. And that's why Steve Kerr keeps preaching about reps. What are your thoughts on an Iguodala reunion? Ryan rocks at, uh, walk, uh, writes in. Uh, I just don't, I don't see it happening. Um, he wouldn't fill in if it does happen, he wouldn't fill the same position he left, right? He wouldn't be your sixth man. He's this is not he's not in that phase of his career anymore. He's not doing that for Miami right now. He's sort of a utility guy off the bench. I think he could still be helpful, but he wouldn't fill the void that he vacated. And so I just don't see it. I just don't see it right now. Did the Warriors this comes from Chris? Did the Warriors blow an opportunity by not trading Ubre? Was it more important to have him this year? Or would it be a bet, or or would it have been better to get a lesser or less proven player that would still be a solid contributor to the future? Look, I think they, I do think that they blew an opportunity with Kelly Oubre, and my sense is that they were trying to deal him pretty aggressively at the day at the deadline, and that they may have had something in the works. Now, uh, what I'm about to say is not necessarily reported. But it's not not reported either. This is my sense based on context clues. The Warriors are never going to come out and say this. But my sense, my strong sense, is that they had something lined up to trade Kelly Oubre that fell apart right before the deadline. And that that trade may or may not have been related to the Kyle Lowry stuff that was happening between the Raptors and Miami or L.A. or Philly or wherever they're going to end up trading Kyle Lowry to. That... The Warriors were had some multi were a part of a multi-team deal. Again, this is my sense. The Warriors were part of a multi-team deal that may have saw Ubre move elsewhere. And then that when that fell through, 
they basically settled on keeping Kelly Oubre, which they would have been, which was their backup plan. And then obviously making the Brad Wanamaker and, and Marquise Chris deals, which probably would have happened regardless. Now, I say that to say this. If your backup plan was to keep Kelly Oubre, that you basically had plan A was let's hope that this multi-team deal does not fall apart in front of us and that we're able to move Oubre for something we like. If that was plan A and plan B was keeping Kelly Oubre, then I still think you may have blown it. I still think that you would have blown it. Uh, because I don't, th- I don't think under any circumstance Oubre's, uh, ri- you know, rolling the dice on Kelly Oubre's free agency was the right move. And so, yeah, maybe you have Brooklyn out here, as Mark Stein reported, and as I thought that the Warriors should pursue, Spencer Dinwiddie for Kelly Oubre. Spencer Dinwiddie can't play this year because he's injured, but he would have been a perfect fit next year. Uh, the problem is that I think he's got a player option or something, and he's expected to exercise that and enter free agency. So maybe that's why the Warriors weren't super enthusiastic about that kind of deal. They still want to compete this year, which I understand. I do. I really do. I think there is an imperative to make the playoffs this year. Um, but there's some other deals that could have been involved. Um, maybe Cleveland sends back Chetty Osmond in some multi-team deal. I heard from some people that the Cavaliers were trying to get into that three-team deal, that it could have involved, if it involved Miami getting Kyle Lowry. And you look at the Heat. What was their backup plan to Kyle Lowry? They traded for Victor Oladipo. They weren't going to do that if the Lowry thing didn't fall apart. So the Warriors, I'm sorry, the Heat still had a backup deal that involved the trade. The Warriors, their backup plan was just, let's just stay put, keep Kelly Oubre, roll the dice this summer. And I just don't see it, man. I don't see Oubre staying He's basically said he thinks he can do more than come off the bench. I don't blame him for going out and looking for more money elsewhere. There's going to be a ton of teams with cap space and not a ton of free agents. to, to Like Kyle Lowry's going to sign somewhere, and that's the end of you know the big hit free agents. Giannis signed his extension. There's a lot of teams that can use a young, athletic, volume-scoring wing who can defend multiple positions like Kelly Oubre. He's going to get paid, and he's going to have a starting position somewhere if he wants it. I just think that the odds are slim that he ends up coming back to the Warriors and you can lose him for nothing. Now, yes, you can sign and trade him elsewhere. You wouldn't be able to take money back or or salary back because that would hard cap you, but you can trade him elsewhere in a sign and trade deal. And that team would be hard capped. So that could be a possibility. But it's not a guarantee that you can even get that to happen. I don't know what leverage the Warriors would have to make that happen. Uh, And like I said, you, the only reason a team would sign and trade for Kelly Oubre is if they don't have the cap space to get him. And, you know, maybe there is a team out there that's a contender that would like to sign and trade for Kelly Oubre, but he's not really that kind of quite the player you sign and trade for, right? That you hard cap yourself for. You don't hard cap yourself for Kelly Oubre. So I think that there's going to be teams like there out there like Dallas and the Knicks and, and teams like in New Orleans who have cap space that can just sign Kelly Oubre outright and not have to move anything in a sign-and-trade or hard-cap themselves in a sign-and-trade. So I think that option is actually pretty slim. Atley writes in, who would we have received in a potential multi-team deal? Like I said, I think a Danny Green from Philadelphia could have been in play. Maybe a Chetty Osman, something like that. Honestly, I don't really know. It's impossible to guess. I mean, it could have involved any number of teams. Maybe Kelly Olenek would have come back, would have came back to the Warriors 
instead of him going to uh, Houston because Miami ultimately did the Oladipo trade instead of the Lowry trade. So maybe it looked like something like that. Uh, maybe it was Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk, which is ultimately the package that Houston got. So maybe it was something like that. It's hard to, it's hard to say, but my sense is that something like that probably, probably fell apart. Um, yeah, going Cameron writes in going along with the Ubre stuff. What are your thoughts on Ubre Dinwiddie rumors? Would Dinwiddie have been a good fit? Uh, also, is any free agent? Yeah, I think he could be. He can. He can be a free agent if he uses his player option. But I think Dinwiddie is exactly the kind of player that they should be looking for: long, uh, versatile on defense, playmaker, playmaking type of point guard who can hit an open jumper. That's the kind of guy I. I think he would have been a, a home run fit for the Warriors. Um, I think I'm going to get log off here. Um, Let's get to this last question. Ryan, is Wiggins jumper legit and is the free is the front office happy with Wiggins? Yeah, we'll we'll end it here on some more Wiggins talk. The jumper I think is legit. Um I think it's relatively streaky, right? He had that tough stretch before the All-Star break, which I think is understandable. There's a he's played more games than anybody else in the Warriors, played more minutes than any everybody I think at this point on the team. And at that point, it was second behind Steph before the all-star break. And so I think there was some definite fatigue involved and you could, you know, when fatigue sets in, your legs are tired, your shot doesn't get the arc that it usually gets and it doesn't, you know, convert as as much at the same rate. But um, I think the jumpers is pretty legit because they're asking him not to create off the dribble so much the way that Timberwolves did. Uh, He's more in his position that it looks good coming out of his hands. Look, it's going to be streaky. It's going to be streaky, but I think you can expect him to be right about where he's at right now for his Warriors tenure and maybe even better when Klay Thompson comes back. So I think the, I think the jumper is legit. The other stuff that you just want to see is can he take over games? Can he anchor a second unit? Can he take over, not games necessarily, but just stretches? Can he just be a guy who you can go to for two or three minutes and say, Hey, go get us a couple of baskets and play make for us and run some high pick and roll for us and just help us out here. That's the big question. It's something that I'm going to be watching for, for the rest of the season is the front office happy with Wiggins? I think they're happy considering what they gave up and what they got in return. If D'Angelo Russell becomes Andrew Wiggins in this Minnesota pick, then yeah, you're happy. So I think they're happy with Wiggins. I don't think they're overly enthusiastic about paying him $30 million a year. I think they would be open to trading him for the right you know, return. So, But I think overall they're content. Content with Andrew Wiggins is probably a good place. Uh to end this show. Uh, thank you all to contributing questions, to jumping on and talking with me. Always appreciated. We will be doing this more often now here on the Locker Room app. I really do enjoy doing this. Um, if you want to listen to the podcast, you could do so wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the other places. Remember to follow Locked on Warriors wherever you do that. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. I'll see you here uh, 